welcome everyone to the Interchange Podcast, brought to you by Link, a low-fee pay-by-bank and card-issuing platform that is revolutionizing the way we process payments. In this podcast series, we dive into the fascinating world of payments and card issuance, sharing insights and advice to help grow your business. I'm Daniel Nielsen, VP of Growth here at Link, and your host for today. Joining me today as my co-host is our CEO and founder, Nabi Awada. In today's episode, we are excited to discuss revolutionizing payments, turning costs into revenue. So whether you're a startup or a publicly traded company, this podcast will provide valuable insights on how to optimize your payments process and turn it into a revenue center. So sit back, relax, and let's get started. Welcome to the interchange. So Nabi, uh, great to have you here again on this episode. Uh, really excited about today's episode. Um, yeah, me too. So one Thanks, of the, yeah, yeah. So one of the things uh, when you start thinking about payments, no, through card networks, there's always a cost associated for the merchant. They can either typically, you know, do three things: pass that cost to the consumer, absorb the cost, which typically that's what they'll opt to do, or again, what you also typically see is they'll start increasing their prices now to really kind of adapt around those cost increases. Yeah, always but a trickle the, down effect. Yeah, there's always a trickle down effect. And the way you're thinking of this and the way you're kind of building link is you're really turning things upside down and you're looking at it a much different way. What you propose essentially is what if we were not to look at payments as a cost center but a revenue center and a way of growing your business. So what really uh, led you to rethink that? Because that's really revolutionizing the way you think about payments. Yeah, I mean, like for for me, I've worked in a number of businesses that have had these type of issues ongoingly. I mean, there was one time where one of the organizations I was working with I was paying anywhere between five to $10 million monthly in just processing fees. And it, it always kind of, felt little, a little bit weird because, you know, when you're talking about, you know, $10 million that you're paying out in processing fees, you got to remember that's only 2.9% of the gross value that's running through the system. So mm-hmm. as I kind of was thinking more about it, there was a couple of things that kind of came to mind. And, and I like to always, you know, think about it this way is that necessity is the mother of all innovation, right? I can't remember who exactly said it, but it's very true because we have economic issues at the moment. Um, that are having really widespread uh, problems, not only for for businesses, whether it's small or large, in terms of losing you know margins and at the same time having to cut down their staff, but you also have high processing fees and they're actually increasing in some cases. And then the other part of it too is there's an increase in delinquency rates, whether you're talking about you know your standard mortgages or credit cards or other payment processes. And then finally, that uh, consumers, for some reason, assume that. Um, that it's not really their issue when there's extremely high processing fees. They they think that it's you know it's a merchant's problem. In fact, they don't even think about it in most cases. But yeah. there's regulatory changes that are are having a real impact on this. In fact, you know we, we were briefly talking about this earlier that in Canada there is regulatory change that allows merchants to now pass wholesale the processing fee directly to the consumer. What that means is you go to a store and you're you're paying, uh, let's say, a hundred bucks. You're going to see a two dollars and ninety cent charge on your transact on your actual receipt that's being set up as a processing fee. So you're paying it, 
And that's really just the tip of the iceberg. We, we assume now with the regulatory changes that you're paying for it. Uh, and in the US, you know, the, the, these type of regulations are being considered at the moment. The problem yeah. with it is not only the fact that you're absorbing the cost as a consumer, is the indirect cost that you're absorbing. And what I mean by that is as processing fees increase, the cost of goods increase as well. There, there's always this back and forth between these two sides. So all of these factors kind of led to, to looking at the problem a little bit differently. And you know, my, my belief also is that, um, that it's inevitable that technology is gonna be either created or repackaged to find a solution for problems, right? So at Link, we started with the first lens of, of looking at the problem from an initial lens that every company looked from uh, at, at this problem with, which is how can we reduce the fees and will that then have a trickle down effect to consumer? And what we came out with, was, which is something that's I think a, a pretty big innovation in space that benefits both the consumer and the merchant, which is pay by bank. That's really how we came up with the idea for pay by bank. We looked at the problems that are happening and we tried to create a pro a, a paradigm shift in the way payments are done. But that's the usual lens. So what we then decided to do is look at things from a contrarian point of view. And this is kind of probably what's gonna feed into the rest of the conversation is that when we looked from that you know contrarian lens, we looked at fees and payments. And then we started with a question, which is kind of a weird question to ask anybody, which is can payments and disbursements become a revenue driver? It, it's kind of, it, it's it's so perplexing. And it's basically two opposing forces here. You're talking about paying someone and making money, which makes absolutely yeah. no sense. And so it's crazy at the face of it, right? Imagine telling someone, hey, I'm gonna pay you. And at the same time, I'm not gonna take any money out of your pocket, but I'm still gonna get paid for paying. It's, it's so weird. And, and obviously you can't show, um, and obviously we can't show the ingredients or divulge our, our secret sauce, but we did it. We found a way to make paying someone actually generate revenue. Uh, so I, I'll kind of like stop there because I can talk for hours about this, but uh, I, I know you probably have some things that are, are percolating. No, right no, now. no. But 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 I think I think you you hit it right on the nail there, Nab. You know, like that's that's the amazing thing, no, that that you're able to take something, and all of a sudden, that's that's typically, let's say, you go to. Uh, and buy something for a hundred dollars, the merchant won't get the hundred dollars. Now, everyone from the cart networks to all these kind of dipping in the cookie jar. You know, you know what I got in my mind? Actually, yeah, yeah. like it's imagine you go buy a, a slice of pizza and before you get yeah. it in your hand, you know, yeah. the, the actual pizza store takes a bite out of it. And that's really what it's yeah. like. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's actually perfect, no? Like it's a good analogy. So you get your slice and like Hey, what happened? No, like here's like ten people has already been eating out of my pizza now, and that's and the that, the that's yeah. literally what merchants are dealing with every single day with every yeah. single transaction is that they get their they get you know they get their slice of pizza, but before they get it, someone's taking a few bites out of it. So even looking at that, no, and and if you look at what's interesting too, no, so if you look at credit cards, the typical credit cards, no, and they they run all these reward programs, and which the consumer is benefiting from, but essentially the merchant is paying for those as well, no? Yeah, so basically yep. anytime you have your reward systems that's you know from your credit card, whether it's your Amex or even your MasterCards yep. or Visa, whatever it is, any of the rewards that you're receiving as an end consumer is basically that's being paid for by the merchant themselves, which is mm. kind of paradoxical, right? So basically yep. the merchant is paying for something that they get no benefit of. 
Uh, And the networks continue to grow. Obviously, you know, the the networks are taking their margins. It's not all going 100% to rewards, but really rewards are funded from that piece of pizza that's uh, from that slice of pizza bite that they've taken out. Um, And it's just a very strange situation to be in as a merchant. It's like, you know, you need to pay the tolls, but the tolls are are increasingly getting higher, which means that your margins are getting short, smaller. And it's not just the, the bite out of that pizza that we're talking about. You got to remember to make that pizza, you also need to get the ingredients, which means that there's an actual cost of goods that needs to come in the beginning. So you're being Mm. eaten from the back and the front. And what you're left with is a very small sliver. It's a very, it's a very, you know, like I said, paradoxical situation to be in. And I like your analogy of the pizza. So let's even say, like, typically it comes right out of the oven. It's still warm, even though they've done a couple of bites, but the merchant doesn't get that slice of pizza yet. They have to wait a couple of days, business days, even to get that payment or get that slice of pizza for using the analogy back. So they'll actually get a pizza slice that's been eaten and it's now cold and a little bit sloggy. Just imagine going into a store and uh, <laughs> you go to buy something and you get to yeah. the front and they're like, oh, that's going to be twenty nine ninety nine. You're like, okay, here's an IOU. It'll come in about three weeks. <laughs> it's a, yeah, no, so it's, it's weird. It, yeah. It, it doesn't work, right? Uh, I mean, yeah. obviously the card networks provide that trust system, but sure. the merchants have to wait until the funds mm. settle and are available to them. And it's just, it's a multi-pronged problem that yeah. unfortunately it, it, it's a situation that was birthed out of the card networks being created yeah. as well as the initial debit card systems and the POS terminals. And that system hasn't really matured. It, it's the same as it was when it was first birthed. And yeah. unfortunately, um, as men, much innovation that happens in the space, we're we're dealing with lagging um, archaic systems, and really, who's getting the worst? You know, who's getting the the the, the what what was the short what what is it the short end of the stick every single yeah. time is the merchant. Yeah, and essentially, with the solution and 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 kind of the the different way of looking at it, you're trying to help specifically the small uh, to medium sized businesses that cannot get that great deals in terms of negotiating fees and all that. True. And, and the and, thing and, is, is these merchants, yeah. oh, sorry, I was going to say these merchants are, are yeah. they make up the fabric of the community, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. When, when you help the smaller merchants, it, it actually empowers the small, small local communities, which then not only creates more jobs and, and, and creates opportunities for everyone in the, in the, uh, the local environment, but at the same time, it, it actually generates local wealth. It, mm-hmm. it, there's a, and that has a direct impact on the cost of goods that you're seeing out there. It, it's something that's yeah. really strange that's happened in in the you know in the last few years is that we've kind of given up on on a lot of the local uh, businesses themselves, and we were kind of so focused on on not only getting the things that we want as fast as possible today, or you know, there's a really great comedy show on Netflix. Um, I forgot the, the the gentleman's name. He's from Crazy Rich Asians. And he says, he talks about Amazon. And what he says is, you know, what's, what's next? Amazon now? So basically it comes now. Or how about Amazon before? And that's really what we've gone to. Is yeah. What we want is something immediate. And we're yeah. giving up on local businesses, which is then having a trickle-down effect on the cost of goods from these local businesses. And that has a trickle-down effect then into the local communities uh, that, that are, are surrounding them. Yeah, and this takes me to to the next question. I think is a nice segue, no, and and is looking at the shift that the digital world 
is kind of opening up for digital payments and uh, the ways we talked about it, it affects your, 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 the way of business now and how, how you're able to completely uh, change the architecture of this kind of really old archaic way of getting that slice of pizza chewed up in, in many different ways and getting it cold. What you're now proposing with this technology is less bites, more for you, and you get it right away. Well, it's basically just kind of out of the oven. It's still hot. No? You're able to get those funds and repurpose those. Like you can bring those in over to your bottom line right away. Yeah, it, it's the difference between no? it's the yeah. difference between a symbiotic organism and a virus. Yeah. A virus yeah. consumes and yeah. consumes and kills. A symbiotic yeah. uh, relationship is basically when the host and you know the organism itself are are they live in harmony with each other and they support each other. You can think of it. I don't want to go down the science path too much, but you've heard of mitochondria before or no? Yes, I have. Yeah. Yeah. But so maybe our listeners, maybe our listeners yeah, yeah. have. And so, you, so yeah, pack them. Met mitochondria is basically the power, the powerhouse. They call the powerhouse of the cell. It creates ATP, which is the energy source that our body uses. It's not part of our body. It, it was a, it's a symbiotic organism that meshed with, you know, early humans. And because of it, we're able to move and have functions that we have right now. That's what harmony looks like when there's, you know, when there isn't harmony, you have viral infections. And that's really what's happened with payment networks and merchants is that it went from being a symbiotic relationship to a viral relationship. And that that's continuing to kind of go down that path. But I, I, it's really easy to go off path here. So look, to go back to, yeah. to your question, I think you were talking about, you know, the, the shift in digital payments. Yeah. And, Exactly. You know, what I can tell you is that COVID-19 has completely accelerated digitization of payments. Like that, that's something yeah. that we can not argue about. But yeah. what that means is that there's a lot of merchants that have been left behind. The, the one thing to know is that if you look at digital payments, so this is for 2022 data that, that I kind of have been reading about recently, is that digital yeah. payments have not only become the norm, they have an 82% penetration in the U.S. since the, the pandemic. 82%, that's insane. Before that, I think it was in the 60-ish 60, percent. And what you're saying oh. is that the majority, not only over half of transactions, but well over, you know, three quarters of transactions are now happening through digital payments. And in, again, in 2022, what that accounted to is $1.8 trillion of value, of transactional mm. value. It's insane. And then there's 16.1 billion that was invested last year into US bit payments companies. So there's been an increase in innovation. There's been an increase in usage and those numbers are not going down. In, in fact, like I said, it's accelerated. We were always going towards kind of a cashless system. Uh, it, yeah. It's always gonna take a little bit of time because you'll, you have the unbanked, the underbanked. There, there's yeah. always gonna be you know some, some folks that are, are left unfortunately a little bit outside of the system but it's completely superseded what any of us thought. And it's not only the US, it's global. Um, mm. So unless you have a strategy, you're gonna be left behind. In fact, I saw another data point a while ago that uh, during COVID, they asked uh, folks if a company, if a, a retailer didn't have uh, NFC or TAP payments, would you, would you actually uh, transact there? Well over 50% said no. Yeah, and that, that that comes from the consumer angle, no? So if they're getting used to having a much more easy way to do payments, and you're talking about TAP, you're talking about online, no? Uh, 
you just want to remove friction you, from payments. You 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 got you gotta adjust as a business to service that, or you'll be left behind. No, and what if I'm a business and I'm less on the on the technology side of things? Or how how what would I do as a business? Like how can I how can I look at different strategies to start implementing and catching up and start kind of looking at it? Okay. How do I change my way I'm processing payments today? And how can that help grow my business? Like, what should I do? Like, what, what would be your suggestion for these type of businesses? So what I would say, I mean, this is going to sound so biased. I would say use Link, really. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. reason why is because there's really nothing like what we've built in the market. So, yeah. you know, I, I wish I could tell you more, but the truth is, is that Link is the only, and I, I say it, you know, it's hard to say only about anything out there, but Link is the only revenue generating disbursement solution in the market. That That's really the only answer I have for that question. It's, yeah. there is there is nothing like our revenue generating disbursement model. There, there's just nothing like it out there because payments is payments. You're paying someone, that's it. That, yeah. That's really the only thing that, that payments are for. But we have a way of actually making that into a revenue model, and, and that is doesn't exist anywhere. Yeah, that, that, no, you, you, you're absolutely right there. And the the interesting part there, looking at that way, is uh, it's either you do it now, or you're going to get left behind. No, and I think a lot of these businesses, especially that have suffered through through COVID, and a lot, unfortunately had to shut down no family business um i know you came like your background too no you you this is why you're so passionate about helping small businesses no your family have had small businesses you know how it's like no and that's why you kind of build this solution and and looking yeah. at COVID, how it's accelerated things though uh so probably the next five ten years probably not even ten years no like you gotta you gotta start adapting and looking at how do you offer cash free payments and make it very frictionless for the consumer you know, to 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 at checkout? And also, how do you bring them back? You no, know? so it's mm -hmm. great the consumer is getting those loyalty programs paid by the merchants, but now if they let's say all these are sort of moving over and link or looking at, at solutions to to actually bring reduce their costs and get immediate. Uh, cash flow back in, they can start looking at that from a loyalty. Like, how would they look yeah, at I mean, that to bring I, repeat I, business? No, yeah. I, I think what you're saying like makes absolute sense. But the problem with network-based reward systems is yeah. what they do is they reward the user to go to any merchant to go anywhere yes. else, right? Yeah. It's not localized no. to the merchant that you're dealing with. No. So our system takes that reward structure that Mastercard and Visa and others are providing. And we bring that in-house to each individual merchant. And then we we provide them with a way and a tool to incentivize users to return, to pro provide them upfront value, increase transactionality, increase you know, average order value. These are the things that really that we focused on is you know, why whether we're while we're platform wide, we try to help, you know, platforms really excel at what they're doing. Our solution is also hyper hyper local in terms of the merchant that that we're serving. So instead of taking those rewards and then dispensing them out across 
you know, a plethora of sponsored uh, businesses yeah. that are working with MasterCard and Visa, you can take the same reward structure, you know, w without it really affecting your bottom line, still saving money on a transaction and actually have users continue to return to you um, by incentivizing them, either with cashback credit or, or with other benefits and, and point systems. So it's one of the things that we really focused on with our rewards wallet. Yeah, I think what what's interesting there, Navi, is the merchants using a system like this is going to be able to provide the consumer a more personalized loyalty reward program. No, so let's say I go to the same coffee shop every day, or I buy uh, online from this store or this local store. They got to be able to cater to me with more personal rewards to keep my business than just a regular Visa or Mastercard that gives me the air miles, or I can get traveling discounts, now I can actually get customized loyalty programs that the merchants are providing me. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the problem with, with not all, and, you know, this is kind of like not only specific to reward programs, it's a problem, I think, across a lot of different verticals, whether you're talking about banking or, or mm -hmm. anywhere else, is that there's not a lot, whole lot of personalization. When we mm -hmm. think about personalization, uh, we, we're typically still categorizing in individuals into personas and then providing them rewards or, or, or even offers or whatnot that are structured around that. With our yeah. system, because it provides not only the merchants, but also our, our platform partners with a lot more robust data, you can provide them with contextual financial options. You can also provide mm -hmm. them with contextual, and I keep saying contextual, which is a very kind of weird word to say in this space, but contextual rewards. Yeah. And yeah. why contextual matters is that it's within the context of what the user is doing in that time, in that moment, within that transaction. It's something that's kind of, I would say, the holy grail of yeah. not only financial products, but also reward products themselves. Right now, it's kind of, a, it's a shotgun approach in most cases. Um, but you also need to, to know that MasterCard and Visa and like these networks, whether it's uh, Amex or, or, or others, they really don't care about personalizations. What they care about is, providing upfront value and, and then also having their sponsored uh, rewards. So for instance, if you want to work with MasterCard and Visa uh, as part of their reward stream, not only would you uh, be providing an offer to their users, you're also, you're paying to offer uh, to their users. So the, the networks are generating money off the transactions to pay for their rewards, but also the reward providers are paying to be part of the rewards. It's a really interesting, kind of uh kind of system that they set up yeah and and this you you, you kind of started answering the my, my next question no around what trends and advancements can we expect to see in payments industry in the coming years no and you're kind of unpacking it here it's i'll pause for a second but like like what we've seen over the last couple of weeks which is really taking off in ai the chat gbt you know that everyone is talking about really from a financial and payment structure Hear what I'm hearing you say, Nabi, is we could go to the same store using the say pay by bank method of link at the merchant, but your experience would be different from mine from if, a loyalty perspective. Different no? experience. Yeah. Because, and and that to me you is and I like, are not, that's the, are not the same. moment, no? We're yeah, not the same. But right now, but now right now we're getting treated all the same way. Exactly. Buy, get your fifth coffee free or whatever it may be. You no, know, but yeah. what, what if you don't like coffee? Maybe you're a tea drinker, yeah. Yeah. right? Or, or maybe yeah. you don't even like tea or coffee and you, you always just grab like a croissant. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? These, these are, are like massive learnings and improvements. So for, for instance, I'm just using the coffee and croissant, like, uh, mm -hmm. you know, analogy. 
is that if I go to the cafe and I get a croissant every time and I get, you know, every like five orders, I get like a free coffee. I mean, what, what benefit is that to me? Like the, the merchant, this cafe doesn't even know me, you know, like yep. they don't even care to know me. But if I get, went there and it's like, Hey, you've ordered three croissants here, enjoy the fourth one for free. Well, not like a person, but the actual product or, or whatever it is. What that tells yep. me is that, you know, at, at a conscious level, I, I'm happy and I feel like, you know, uh, appreciated by the merchant at a subconscious level, it actually grows my affinity towards that brand. So th there's multiple layers around this that just merchants and, and platforms and, and even like traditional payment and banking systems have not figured out yet, which is beyond mm -hmm. me. But I, I guess it kind of feeds, it, it fits into to the MO that's currently out there, which is you got to go very wide because you're trying to service as many people as possible. And, and at the same time, it's, it's a lot of investment that you need to do upfront to be able to get those uh, learnings, uh, to be able to actually provide these offers that make sense for the user. Yeah, no, that's, that's super interesting. No, like, and it's, and it's heading in this way, like uh, whether, whether you like it or not, but it's, it's for the, the best, both for the merchant and the consumer. No? Like you want to get that personalized experience. You don't want to be treated the same way. Um, and here, here is actually a way that'll help you uh, as a mm. business. And it'll help you get more customers because you'll be able to treat them each way uh, as, you know, it, in a different way. No, It's, it's interesting. It's, um, I, yeah. I was actually, I know this is an old book, but I was uh, listening to the, yeah. the audio book of uh, start with why by by Simon Sinek and he yeah. he says something that like makes a lot of sense I, again I've listened to this before but it yeah. was um, it was people don't buy what you people don't buy what you sell they buy why you do it and mm -hmm. I think when you're treating people as individuals and even your rewards and, and your service and everything reflects that they they look at you as a company that that you're not about it's not about the product, it's about the individual experience of that user. And I think that matters much more than the product that you're selling. It's the, the reason why, again, I'm an Android phone user. I switch between iOS and Android quite a bit, but the reason why yeah. people like iOS so much is because it's a simplified experience that caters itself to its user, while Android, it requires finagling, right? You need to cater yourself to the product. I'm a technical person, so I, I like that, but, I, I can see why uh, why it's important to focus on, on the user in that way. Like for instance, even with, with the reward system, it, it doesn't like there's a million of using coffee again. There's like hundreds of great cafes around us. I go to one cafe every single time. I overpay for my coffee. And for a tiny little uh, espresso macchiato, I pay a lot of money for my espresso yeah. macchiato. It's yep. the experience. The people know me. They treat me differently. I as yep. soon as I get there, before I get to the till, it's already set up for me. I it, it's yep. a that experience matters much more to me than the coffee itself, though their coffee's great. No, absolutely no. Uh, I think I think that's 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 a great example, Navi. So I think just to to end it, um, this uh, podcast. So as a business. I'm hearing, I'm hearing, I'm hearing this. I'm getting interested. I'm like, okay, how can I position myself or stay ahead of the curve? No, and make sure I'm well positioned. Uh, 
to start exploring kind of new payment opportunities. And another sub question to that, Navi. So if I'm a business right now, I'm listening in and say, okay, well, would I need to get rid of my existing payments? No, like mm. do, do, do I keep Stripe? Do I keep all these other uh, Square or still take credit cards and debit? Or is this a supplement? Like maybe maybe explain a little bit uh, for, yeah. for the listeners. What 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 should you? How should you go about it? Yeah, so I'll I'll answer the. F- the last question, yep. and then we'll go into sure. the, the first question. So the last question that yep. you asked was, you know, if, if you wanted to use something like Link, what would it mean ripping out your, yeah. um, I'm going to use some basic names here, yeah, existing solution without going, I guess, into name. The answer is no. We, we, we're we eight, we're, we're not alike uh, in comparison to other payment solutions that you're using. So we would sit next to your existing payment solution. It's kind of akin to, you know, um, PayPal might do payments, but it's not the yeah. the one that's being used typically uh, when you're you're putting in your card uh, card details. I mean, in some cases it is. You know how yeah. you usually see that on checkout. We we kind of coexist in that space because our product is fundamentally different in other payment functions, and our system is based off of rewards and and incentive structures for consumers and merchants. So there's really no need to remove your existing. Uh, product it, we we play in a different field it's kind of like uh you know if the other if everyone else is playing soccer we're playing hockey you know it doesn't gel you don't need to re- remove all your players and put us into that game so we say don't remove your existing implementation uh add us as part of your stack and give the option to your users uh, and then re- have them being rewarded for making a transaction with you and not only being rewarded for making a transaction with you but return and be excited to return to use your product so that, that's how yeah. I would answer that question. Um, in terms of uh, your first question, I believe it had to do with uh, kind of staying ahead of the curve and what's happening in the space, yeah. what we're expecting, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, there's a number of things, right? So there's uh, newer, more robust payment rails are definitely coming down the line. So we're we're in talks with a few banking partners that are experimenting with FedNow, which is a new uh, real-time payment engine. There is RTP, mm-hmm. but the penetration is pretty low in the U.S., uh, other interesting things is that there's uh, regulatory changes that are happening. They they keep pushing out open banking, honestly, in the U.S. and Canada quite a bit, in North uh, in North America quite a bit. But yeah. you know, looking at at what's happening in the EU and things that are being negotiated in North America, you're talking about things like Payment Services Directive Two, PSD Two, as it's called. If if anyone wants to search it up, it not only opens up payment rails, it also opens up the banking infrastructure and allows for more efficient payment systems to be set up. And we're expecting that those are starting to kind of happen right now in North America. Not every bank is uh, as uh, ahead of the curve, but it's starting to slowly happen. And then I would always tell people to to monitor other geographies, especially advanced geographies that have a lot of payment and, and banking changes like AEU. You'll see a lot of those emerging technologies eventually trickle down to the North American market. And uh, the last thing I'll say around that is for merchants and platforms I speak with, I, I always tell them like one thing, which is super important. You know, the thing is, is that you need to be aware of what's happening on the cutting edge, at least in terms of knowledge. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, this field of of the cutting edge you need to focus on is really the lifeblood of the business, which is money. You need to know about the regulatory changes, the technological changes that are coming down the pipe, because as much as it's important to have mastery around the product you're selling, it's just as important to have mastery and understanding around the way that you're selling. And, and that's really what I, I tell a lot of people. I study a lot about the different payment systems that are coming down the line as well as the changes. It's important yeah. for our business, but even if I wasn't working here and I was working in another company, 
uh, and we're, we're selling a product, it would just be as important for me. That, that's the thing that I, I think every merchant needs to be aware of, um, both regulatory and technological changes for sure. No, oh, that's a great point, Nabi, and I think it's a great way to to end today's podcast with, uh, well, first of all, Nabi, thank you so much for, for being my co-host today. Really appreciate it. Yeah, it's great, man. Thank you. Yeah, and that's a wrap for today's episode of the Interchange Podcast. Uh, we hoped you enjoyed learning about how to revolutionize your payments and turn costs into revenue. If you're interested in taking the next step and optimizing your payment process and learning more, be sure to head over to www.trylink.com forward slash waitlist to sign up for free. Our team at Link is dedicated to helping businesses grow and succeed, and we're confident that our payments and card issuing platform can help you just do that. So don't wait. Uh, join the revolution today. Until next time, I'm Daniel Nielsen here with Nabi Awada, and this has been the Interchange Podcast. Thanks for tuning in.